0: This is GKW. Welcome back to another episode. I'm Gabe Knudsel from ESPN Milwaukee, along with Jonathan Hood. You know Jay Hood from ESPN 1000 in Chicago and Brian Rowitz from ESPN West Palm. Boys, the, the, the one thing that the... Pro Wrestling World is a buzz about and it kind of leaked out before it was officially announced yesterday but a mega show a super show is coming to the United Center in Chicago Jay Hood's town so now I'm going to have to go down by <laughs> Jay Hood hopefully he lets me in I mean again we're still working on making sure Jay Hood gets the proper paperwork so he can come <laughs> from Chicago across the the state lines into the great city of Milwaukee for the AEW show that's uh, just a few days before this but New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW presenting Forbidden Door, it's going to be a mega show, and they're obviously expecting a large crowd because they're getting the United Center. They've only done this one other time, and that was for the first dance. It was for CM Punk. They sold it out, and I don't think they're going to have any issues selling this one out as well because Chicago, it is a great pro wrestling town. They fill up arenas. They they get excited for big stuff like this, and Jay hood is going to be the one leading the charge through the doors when they finally open them on June 26th for Forbidden Door.
1: I cannot wait, and I'm so excited uh, that we're going to have this joint uh, show. And you know, guys, you know it's going to be sold out immediately, right? United Center, it's going to be 20,000 people there. It's going to be great. So I can't wait for it. I'm, I'm just so happy to see that. I just – I thought the announcement was interesting because Tony Khan, usually his interest is really hyped, and he wants to say everything that happened, and here comes Adam Cole making ultimately the announcement. So, guys, I think this is going to be fun – And it's it's typical Tony Khan, right? He loves big announcements, and that's a big one. The relationship with New Japan and AEW is only going to help both sides. What I'm interested in right now, Brian, is the booking on how this is all going to work, because when you got two promoters, you got to figure out who's going to go over. And so that's why this is going to be big in June.
2: Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, everyone mocks Tony for the major announcements because it's every other week we have a major announcement. This one classifies as major. Like, you get those two companies together. They're going to sell out that arena. That is a big deal. The other positive, you mentioned the Adam Cole part. We talked about last week. I was worried what a second loss to hangman meant for him. Last night showed it's fine. It didn't matter. Like, he was right there front and center. It was such a big moment. Booking is definitely going to be an interesting part and who goes over. Does that count in the AEW win-loss column? We don't know that yet either. Oh, It's a good angle to think about. And yeah. well,
0: so speaking of booking decisions, I, I, it was interesting. I, I wish I could have gone to the show. Did not. Was able to purchase it, and I watched the Windy City Riot, the first New, New Japan Pro Wrestling show ever to hit Chicago. They were, what, 5,000 people at the arena? Uh, Jay Hood, you were there. Yes. Um, And the main event had an interesting decision at the end. I don't know if it was an actual botch. It was confusing watching it. I can't imagine what it was like watching live um, and being in the arena for that. And that's just that—that's two guys that are in New Japan Pro Wrestling with Mox as the Death Rider going up against Will Ospreay. So the the booking stuff is certainly going to be interesting. But what was it like being there for the first ever New Japan Pro Wrestling show in Chicago?
1: Well, you guys know I was very excited to see New Japan because the first time i seen seen it in person, uh, that was cool. I'm glad it was at the Odium at Villa Park because ultimately, guys, I was at the last event in that old barn. I'm so glad they're going to tear that place down. I sent you guys the video of the crowd, right? so just one line going into the odeon i mean that was the worst one line usually you go to one of these medium-sized buildings or big buildings and there's four or five doors open they take your ticket and, and then you're off on your it was one line all the way around the parking lot people stood out there for at least an hour and a half to try to get in because it was just one line. That was brutal. But once that you were in though, there was excitement because people knew that this was the last event, really last big event at the Odeon. And I just thought that just to see the new Japan stars out there to see uh Jay white against shooter, that was really good to see him because that was the first time I saw Jay white in person uh, to see Ishii and Suzuki, a match I've seen Ooh. on YouTube a ton, right. Or on new Japan world. And to be able to see that in person, I mean, that's a great match to see. So I really enjoyed that. And just to see Moxley, the the response that Moxley got um, and and to see him against Will Ospreay, it was just really, really great. So the crowd was great. It was also a great Chicago Street fight, probably one of the best I've seen in person. It was really, really physical. Uh, And because of Chicago, you know, it was a wild crowd. So because of what I saw on Saturday, I'm looking forward to now what we're going to see in Chicago uh, at the United Center.
2: And I think it's also cool from a New Japan standpoint that they almost get another shot at it. The last time it was sort of a super card, it was Ring of Honor. It was the Garden. They sold it out. That's something you can always celebrate. Mm -hmm. But it also was on the backs of a bunch of guys that weren't on that show. The Bucks weren't there. Kenny wasn't there. Cody wasn't there. So now they get another shot at it. Like, to be there with AEW, I think it'll be cool for them to get that spotlight and sell out something like the United Center, which will actually be, I assume, their guys, because whoever's going to be there today should still be there in June, but I guess you never know for sure. So,
0: what matches? Like, what you when you heard this announcement? When you when you heard that it was coming when it started leaking out, what what did you start fantasy booking? Because I know the first one that I fantasy booked, and it was it's probably the same one everybody at CM Punk versus Kenta. It's got to be GTS okay. versus G. T S. Go to sleep versus go to sleep. I think you got to do punk versus Kenta. Kenta's already been begging for it on social media. That was the first one that was that I checked off my 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 sheet right away. That's the one I want to see. That's what that I think they should do uh at the United Center.
1: As a as a tag team mark, I'm going definitely FTR against Tama and Tonga Loa. I want to see though, the kids of Haku. That, I mean, so. There's been a lot of conjecture on in wrestling media on whether or not Haku's kids are the best or one of the best tag teams in the world. Well, take on FTR, who's red hot right now, right? Getting it done in AAA and Mexico, getting it done in AEW. It, it took a while for FTR to get their footing. Once they lost to the Young Bucks, the first time people thought, okay, now you're going to get buried. But they actually beat the Young Bucks. So I want to see Haku's kids, Tama and Tanga, take on FTR. I think that's going to be a terrific tag team match.
2: So I'm going to take sort of from both of yours and go different routes. I thought Punk versus Osprey. I think the two of them, it's something we never really gone that route. I think that would be fun. And from an FTR standpoint, it might be cheating a little bit, but can we get FTR and the Golden Lovers? Well, can he be back by then? Can we do that or is that cheating? No, you can't. know. you no. can't do
1: that. No, I need, I need my dream match now. I already got, listen, I already got the Briscoes and FTR, right? And, and uh-huh. I think all three of us can agree at the Supercard of Honor that in uh, Garland, Texas, that was a tremendous match. Really, really good, right? Yeah, yep. fantastic. Nice the weekend. So, so I just need a, a true tag team against another true tag team. I need to see that. Because FTR right now is on a roll. It, it, I've seen the young bucks take on some of the top talent in New Japan, but FTR, I think that's a different level.
0: I just assumed that we were going to get a Mox versus Osprey rematch, mm. just because it was such it was such a messy ending. And we're going to be giving at the end of the show, we're going to go through what we thought were the best matches of the weekend. And this, to me, would have been the best match of the weekend had it had more of a definitive ending. It was such an awesome match. And you, you got Moxley, you know, trying all these different things. He tries the blackout. You know, he takes Seth Rollins' finisher and, and tries to put away Osprey with that. And finally, you know, he, he puts him down, ref counts to three, but then he rolls him over and still chokes him out. and Osprey taps out, so it's, it's confusing. It's just – and Osprey clearly would want the rematch. I just assumed that this would be the natural progression for them to have that rematch on this
1: card. I I will give that match credit because I saw two matches in one. If Moxley's there, that's not going to be a catch as catch can classic. He's just going to try to, you know, be outside and throw chairs and bleed and all that, and and his face was a crimson mask. He bled uh, in, in Chicago on Saturday. But that false finish, it threw everybody off guard, Gabe, because like, people didn't understand. Like, it was a really good match. It was Moxley's kind of match, and then it was Osprey's kind of match because he was able to get some momentum, does the high flying that he usually does. And then that false finish, and it confused everybody because they didn't know if the referee screwed up, if if it was a pinfall. Osprey's complaining about it on social media. So, yeah, I think that's going to be a rematch too. And I guess, guys, if we're going to talk about um, the Black – cool, uh, club, then we've got to see Okada against, uh, uh, Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson. Yep. Right. Yep. Well, what yep. about the
2: BCC guy. versus the bullet club? And you just do it that way. You do a six man versus any variation of the bullet club that night.
0: Um, you certainly could. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely, that's what I've been trying to figure out. Like, do you want to do something just BCC? Right. But Brian Danielson's also talked about like how he wants to have some of these dream matches sure. and, I think some of the natural, when you put together a super show like this, like some of it is you naturally want to do what they do at Survivor Series. You want, oh, we could do right. all these champion versus champion <laughs> matches. We could do Okada versus Hangman. We could do, and I, I don't think that's what I want this to be. And I, I would more want Brian Danielson as a singles competitor. I want to see the American Dragon go up against Okada I, because I think Brian Danielson is the best like technical wrestler. He's the best guy in the ring in the world to me. And I want to see him go up against the best in new Japan and have that dream matchup.
1: Yeah, Brian. And and the whole thing with, um, with Brian Danielson is, and I talked to Mark Henry about this. You remember that 60 minute classic he had that matchup he had against Hangman page. Mm Um, I asked him, I said, Well, how was Brian afterwards? He goes, you know, he could have won another 30. He was standing around in the back, just talking to guys and asking Mark's, like, so what do you think of the match? You know, I felt like we could have, and he's like, and Mark's like, You mean you're not tired? You went 60 minutes. He goes, No, I'm I'm good. I just I feel we could have done so." He's just talking to people, walking wow. around with a cup of coffee, and I'm just like <laughs> It's you with 60 minutes. He's like, like, I've, he's, like I've seen, he's critiquing the match seconds after it happened. <laughs> he just walked around with a, like a cup of coffee and like just like, you know, I, I could have maybe done a flip there or maybe. A, and, and Mark's just like, you're not like passed out on the floor. I mean, like, like, how did this happen? Right. I've seen 60 minute matches where Ric Flair, as great as his cardio was in his prime, he was exhausted after 60 minutes, man, because it was punishment. I mean, that was a physical match, but that's why. I guess I do agree, Gabe. I do want to see Brian in a, a singles match of his dreams because you know it's going to be a classic, whomever it's going to be.
2: Well, yeah, that's the thing. Okada and Brian, we know it's going to be an eight-star match. But yeah, I think the other thing they have to worry about, like how do you sell this pay-per-view? Are we going to see New Japan every week? And if we're going to see that and we see building towards, you know, storyline aspect, what about Okada versus like an MJF? And MJF sort of gets that shine, and he gets to cut promos and sort of build heat that way, and you build towards something like that.
0: That's where I start to run, like, the the AEW roster, and we've had this discussion about how deep it is. Right. like There are going to be AEW, like, legitimate stars who are featured each and every week on, on one of their television shows. Yep. That are going to be left off this card just because I mean, guys, we haven't mentioned the world
2: champion right now. Like, we, yeah, don't, we, we haven't met man yet. I mean,
0: Hangman has to be on the card. He is the world champion of AEW. They've got to find a spot for him somewhere, um, which is again why, like, the easy thing to do is like, okay, he can do a Kata, then we can match up the, the tag team champion and do, you know, different things like that. I mean, there is a different, and, you know, I, I'm curious to see if they do something because currently the IWGP United States Championship is vacant. So I don't know if they do something to try to build towards that. We've seen IWGP, the U.S. title in AEW. It's been defended on AEW television between Lance Archer and Jon Moxley. So I think that there's an opportunity to try to build something towards that with AEW and New Japan stars who happen to be stateside. And maybe you can build some hype, whether it's, again, Tony Khan seems to love tournaments. So have an (laughs) IWGP U.S. title tournament that maybe culminates at, at Forbidden Door. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's so much talent on both sides, guys. It's gonna be like, oh, Hangman Page. That's right. We gotta get you opponent. Okay, Fred Rosser. All right. Now we move on. Right? Like, like, I mean, that, you know, here, Flip Gordon. Go ahead. I mean, he, he's got to have himself. <laughs> I forgot a, about he, Flip. He, he's got to have himself. I agree. He's got to get himself like a, a key match too. After all, he is the AEW champion. But it's so funny. We talk about all these wrestlers, and we just got the Hangman Page. And because here's why it's like, I think every week, I think the three of us are starting to have more of a a belief in him as champion, but against New Japan talent, we don't know what that looks like. And we don't want him to be embarrassed, right? Because the New Japan guys are about it. So that's, that's why it's so intriguing. This fantasy booking is really, really fun.
2: Yeah, I mean, the other one is like, you know, you imagine there needs to be some sort of breaks that night and you need to sort of have, you know, maybe like the comedic element and things like that. I saw a match, it was supposed to be Mania weekend of 20. So it ultimately didn't happen. I believe it was supposed to be at Janela's spring break. Suzuki versus Orange Cassidy was supposed to be the match. What do we do Suzuki and Danhausen? I mean, come on. Oh like, that'd be a God. great break to see those two in the ring together. That could be pretty fun. <laughs> What if
1: Danhausen just opens up a can? Just like, right. you know what? Here I go. Like, I do, like, here we go. Well, we're,
0: we're, we're building towards Danhausen's debut. I mean, he, he I challenged, know. he got in the face a hook last he night. Did. And he did. He put the popped. finger on the chest a hook. He seemed to immediately regret it, but it seems that we're building towards that Danhausen in ring debut on AEW.
1: I don't know about you guys. I'd pay a whole like 40, 50 bucks to see that one. That's a benefit anywhere in the world. That's oh right. yeah. Danhausen
0: versus Hook? Absolutely. Oh yeah. well, sure. Very nice <laughs> and very evil. Danhausen. Uh, we got a question here. Uh, Bill is asking how how many dark matches do these guys do anymore? Because we were just kind of talking about, you know, the the, the length of, of the um, uh, the Daniel Bryan or excuse me Bryan Danielson match. Not as many. Um, I mean, AEW doesn't do house shows. So AEW, well, the AEW has their shows that they put on YouTube, but their megastars rarely make appearances there. Every once in a while, you might see somebody on television down there. Um, So guys there aren't wrestling that often. Uh, WWE, I mean, they're probably doing a few on the weekends, not nearly as many as they used to, um, even pre-pandemic. They've really backed off of the house shows. So, I mean, somebody like, you know, a Roman Reigns, I mean, Roman Reigns... Hardly ever wrestles on television um, and, and he'll wrestle then in recently. It's been more like six man tag matches with the Usos when he does a house show. But I mean, these guys like Cody Rhodes, my guess is I, I saw him just tweet out not that long ago that, you know, Friday, Saturday, um, he, or excuse me, Saturday, Sunday, he's going to be two different places leading up to Raw on Monday. So somebody like Cody's probably going to be wrestling three times a week and well, that's that's on the very high
2: AEW. yeah like the fact that you know Britt baker could be a dentist most of the week and then show up on wednesday and work a show and still you know have a job like that's the appeal that these guys and girls don't have to kill themselves like they used to
1: uh you could catch a lot of these AEW wrestlers um in your local market doing <laughs> indies right yep. i mean because they're always around that's what that's where they get their weekend work in guys i mean the for people that don't know that's watching us or listening to us talk about um the dark matches or house shows the house show was put in place because the television was a bunch of squash squash matches everything was a squash match you've got very few angles on tv back in the day and so once a, a company came into your territory into your city you had to go see it i mean the the tv built up so you could be able to see the aew come to west palm to see wwe come to milwaukee you know to see a certain company go to los angeles so that's why it was put in place so bill's asking about dark matches and i guess he's talking about house shows too right yeah he's talking yeah. about both yeah, so yeah. It just it's just that you know it, i think that from tony khan's standpoint to keep down cost they're just traveling on wednesdays and sometimes there's a live rampage on friday and then they they, they can go home because of the cost. you I don't know if there's a real need to be on the road as much anymore. I know WWE was in was Erie, Pennsylvania, and Syracuse just recently. They did like a Saturday, Sunday, or a Friday, Saturday, something like that to lead into Raw. But um, yeah, I, I just think that the, the philosophy for AEW now is here's our team. Hey, we're coming. We're coming to your city. We'll, we'll see you on Wednesday. We'll do a double taping and see you next Wednesday. Yeah, Moxley talked about like the way he can
2: be home with family. Like he leaves early Wednesday and somehow finds the latest flight out Wednesday night and he's back home Thursday morning. Like it's just a day away. It's not like, you know, the wrestlers we grew up with who are gone from their family, but 250 days a year that doesn't happen anymore.
0: Yeah, uh, then Mox still finds a way because, like, th- that dude, he wrestled live on Friday, wrestled live on Saturday, wrestled right. live again on Wednesday. Like, some of those, if you want the work, if yeah. you're like someone like John Moxley, you can certainly find it and-, and be able to find that balance, I think, just a little bit better. All right, so we talked about the biggest thing going out of the world of professional wrestling, and that, of course, is Forbidden Door coming up on June 26th at the United Center in Chicago. But the other thing we need to get to is our three counts. The other three top wrestling stories we need to discuss on this week's GKW. What we have at number one, Brian.
2: Guys, Triple H sat down with The Athletic and apparently spoke with them for nearly a half hour. What was your biggest takeaway from The Triple H Athletic interview?
0: I'm trying to figure out um, because he, he's clearly towing the company line when it comes to NXT 2.0. And NXT, you know, the the, the black and yellow brand, black and gold brand, whatever you want to call it, that was clearly his baby. And there is a huge portion of the wrestling population that absolutely loved NXT. They loved the takeovers. And NXT 2.0 is, if you watch it on Tuesday nights, I think they're doing a pretty good job. I think they had a pretty good takeover. It was a weird time, but it had to be on WrestleMania weekend. We're um, standing <laughs> delivery. there's a disagreement
1: in the crowd here, Gabe. <laughs> um, what? What? You don't think it was a weird time? There's no. noon on
0: a Saturday.
1: No, no. Just the idea that you're giving NXT 2.0 credit is stunning to me.
0: <laughs> oh, okay all right that's fair
1: um yes and, it's i mean uh, i don't know what you're watching i like to say that that's entertaining To that's not pro wrestling That's barely pro wrestling it's a double a outfit so
0: he's clearly towing the top co- towing the company line triple h's um about, you know, some of the the, the, kind of the talking points when it comes to NXT 2.0. And that, you know, the plan all along was to maybe get to a model like this where you needed the legitimate stars to be on television. And I I don't know if his timeline quite works out. So the, the one thing that I came away wondering is, is this indeed what Triple H wanted? And now he's saying, oh yeah, this was the plan all along. Or is he just playing along now that this is what he has to work with? With, uh, with HBK and NXT
1: 2.0. I just think that Vince McMahon was pissed that AEW was kicking NXT's ass and then pulled the rug. That's what yep. I think happened. That's what I think, because you remember it was WWE that was taking a shot at AEW first. It was Triple H at the Hall of Fame saying that AEW is a piss and company and all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of like, they're just trying to be a wrestling alternative. And, um I just think that's interesting that his perspective. Because I read it at The Athletic. And I just think that some of the questions that the three of us would ask were not asked in an interview. Like the three of us would think to ask, Are you pissed that you have your you had your brand removed from you? Ultimately asking the question, you had momentum. They could go to any arena, guys, and and be able to sell it out. A takeover. They didn't yeah. weren't mm-hmm. great at house shows, but the takeovers were always sold out. And they didn't need a WWE pay-per-view to be along with it as, as a standalone takeover they were fine because people watch it now can nxt 2.0 go to Allstate Arena arena chicago and sell it out can they go to pfizer Vi- forum and sell it out can they go to the the uh, misner park arena in boca and sell it out no they can't and, and so i just think that that when i read it i'm like the question i would ask is are you upset that it changed? I, I I read what Triple H said, because he tried to make it seem like, well, we ha- we went one way and now we're going the other way. The other way sucks. It just does. And, and I understand that young wrestlers have to find a place to wrestle, Gabe. But the point is though, is that you had a formula of young people and veterans, and it was getting over and people were watching. Were you being AEW? No, you got drunk by AEW. But it doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy the takeovers. I, I like 99% of the takeovers were great. They were. And, and Vince pulled the rug because he was mad that AEW was winning. I think that's what happened.
2: Yeah. hundred percent. Like they had egg on their face. They're the ones that went to Wednesday. Like it wasn't AEW came to them. They're the ones that went to TV that went to Wednesday and said, Oh, this is where we happen to be. And even in the interview, triple H refers to 2.0 as AAA baseball. And I think that sort of, you know, sums it up perfectly. Like how many people are watching triple A baseball on a daily basis? Like, if it's in your hometown, if it's in your backyard, it's something fun to do, you're going to. But you're not saying, oh, man, I can't wait for this game. You want to watch the Yankees. You want to watch the Red Sox, the White Sox, whoever. Like, that saying is like, hey, yeah, these guys aren't ready. But NXT, the original, the black and gold, like, that was a good team. Like, yeah, maybe they weren't the Yankees, but they were the Brewers. Like, we wanted to go see them. You wanted to see them in the postseason. And NXT 2.0 just isn't that. And, like, yeah, it's a company line, but, like, there were just so much in that where it's like, oh, yeah, eventually these guys are going to want to come back to the biggest company. It's like, I don't know if guys look at you like that anymore.
0: Ultimately, like with NXT 2.0, it's not AAA because you still have those veterans at AAA that are there sure. to help, you know. And and I know it's not about triple, but I think about Bull Durham. You think about the character of Crash Davis in one of the more most popular baseball movies of all time. He comes there to help. The the talent along and maybe that's what the sending down of Dolph Ziggler to get him in and viewed with yeah. Braun Breaker is I'm not sure, um, but if they didn't think that they were producing stars at NXT I think they just needed to look more inward because you look at the roster and the best people the the the, the people that I believe most people are watching WWE for they were stars in NXT mm-hmm. Roman Reigns Seth Rollins. Uh, pr- all pretty much the entire women's division, right? right? Like pretty much the entire women's division was in NXT and put on. I mean, the four horsewomen put on classic match after classic match at those takeovers. So they were producing stars. There was certainly a disconnect between when some of those stars went from you know NXT up to the main roster. We talked about it last week with Shinsuke Nakamura. We talked about it last week with with Bobby Roode. Like it's clearly there's some disconnect when some of those acts went up, but you know. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, people sure. who are being featured each and every week. I mean, even Drew McIntyre, when he came back, went through NXT briefly before he came up back to Raw. So you had something that was working, you, and all these stars are coming from there. And But you and you can still do your NIL deals and, and get Gable Stevenson right. in there. and Because Bianca Belair, I, I think, would be the one shining example that they would want to put up of, oh, see, this way works. We have Bianca right. Belair. We got this incredible athlete. We turned her into a wrestler. And I'm going to say that's probably the exception versus the rule, because even though you're not going to be grinding like they were, like we were just talking about back in the seventies and eighties, the way that Ric Flair had to grind, it, it, it's something that you have to love. Like professional wrestling, it's going to beat the crap out of you. It is going to take years off your life. And you know, we enjoy it as wrestling fans and you have to love it. And if you don't love it, and if you don't love going out there, it's going to be painfully obvious to the audience and you're not going to get the reactions that, you, that you're that you looking to get.
1: Yeah, I just, I, I looked at the talent and I, listen, you can have a, any philosophy you want as a wrestling company. And clearly the the talent that's in WWE right now are former athletes. Those are the ones that are trying to mold and shape into wrestlers. Um, and a, a lot of them are just not very good. And I understand from what I, I get, it seems as though that these wrestlers that's in NXT, if they don't get over within six months to a year, they're gonna be cut anyway, and they'll just okay. keep bringing in new people. And I just think that the philosophy that Triple H had was better, where you had young people and you had veterans in the mixture. And, and I understand the also the philosophy that NXT is not a touring brand anymore. It's too bad though, because sure. I thought if, I thought NXT in its prime was a super indie with money. That's what I thought it was A, a an independent company with a uh, with million dollar backing because independents, sometimes they don't have the greatest lights and maybe they don't have the, the greatest ring, but at least with the, under the WWE banner, NXT had that. They, they had everything that you needed and Triple H tried to push the company back toward the wrestling more so the entertainment and the fans didn't like it, at least not in abundance to beat AEW. So I, I just think that, um, when I see some of these wrestlers and it's look, I've watched, tried to watch Joe Gacy and tried to watch like you know Lashley, it's just, it's just a struggle, man. It's a struggle because you could see holes right through it. If it was just a Peacock only show, it's like okay, it's on digital. I, I, but when it's on USA and you see the mistakes on USA Network, it's like wow, that's that's a far cry from what we used to see NXT as.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. Like it's painful to watch 2.0 because you think of the black and yellow and they try and separate it. But like the black and yellow did a good job of being the indie star. So you have, you know, Gargano and Champa main eventing and putting on, you know, five star classics, But then you also got over other guys like other stuff, you know, notwithstanding Velveteen Dream, someone that came up through their system. He got over and he was on those cards. And that was someone you're like, oh, look, this is something different. And then obviously, you know, other stuff happened. But, like, you're able to do both. And, like, to Jay hoods point about, like, those questions that were asked of Triple H, I'd love to know his opinion of how much it hurt every time he made a star and there was a star. And then they go up and, you know, Keith Lee is now Bearcat or Adam Cole is supposed to be a manager or things like that. Like, what were his real feelings in those moments?
0: Yeah, it's, you know... It-
2: but this is the way they've
0: decided to go. You know, this is the way that they've decided to go with NXT. And I I, I want to trust Triple H now that he's back. And I got to believe, you know, going back to what we were kind of talking about before, you know, because this is all revolving around that interview that he gave to The Athletic. I got to believe that there's some disappointment. Because at least from the outside, it looks like this was taken away from you, even if the wheels were in motion. But it looks like the wheel, this was taken away from you, the baby that you created while you were sick yeah i think that was the opening
2: that vince took like oh well you know you're sick sorry bye like it's a little dirty all right so since we're talking about triple h let's go around quickly before we
0: get to number two in the three count does triple h eventually take over the company or does vince sell it
1: Ooh. well based on the interview that vince did with pat mcafee apparently vince is not happy with any of his family members <laughs> that's, a, that's a little nugget in that interview. I mean, I know that was a long conversation, but that's buried in there where he kind of was just like, well, my family's disappointed me, pal. And I'm paraphrasing that when I say that, but it's kind of like, yes, he's supposed to be the heir apparent, but it, I almost think it was a litmus test, right? Like, okay, we think that you're going to be next, run NXT see what happens. And I, mm-hmm. But I think it was successful. But because they did not win the ratings on USA, Vince didn't think it was successful. And so, and so, I to me, I think that Vince looks at Triple H less than because of that experiment.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's unfortunate. And, like, if NXT never goes to USA, they're probably in a better spot today than when they actually went to USA. Like, people would have found them. Like, those takeovers were selling out like we talked about. But, yeah, I think ultimately, Triple H is looked at as the failure in Vince's eyes because he couldn't beat, you know, the bingo hall company. He couldn't do what he had to do and beat them on Wednesday nights. Like that's a disappointment to Vince.
0: All right, let's go on and talk about number two in our three All count. Right. What we got, Brian?
2: All right, guys, we saw some heel turns and some face turns this week, but which one was the most significant from the world of pro wrestling? So there were a number of
0: them and Sammy Guevara started on on Saturday night at Battle of the Belts because you don't just gratuitously make out with your girlfriend unless you're a heel. Like, once I start seeing your tongue as you're kissing your girlfriend, that just means you're a bad guy. I don't make the rules. These are the rules of professional wrestling. And once you... Yeah, exactly. Once you saw it, you knew that this guy was going to be turning heel. So, um, I I don't know... I I understand. I, I think Sammy's probably better as a heel. Like, I really liked him when he was in... Um, you know, when he was in the heel faction with Jericho. And I I think that played well. I I don't know. I I don't know if I'm buying into this double turn that they have going on because Scorpio Sky, even though he's with Dan Lambert, who seemingly seems to be you align yourself with him and you're going to be a heel in AEW. I I don't understand what's going on with that double turn there. And then the other one is Rhea Ripley, which I think is probably for her the best move. When your theme song starts with This Is My Brutality, <laughs> probably better off as a heel because I don't think of too many babyfaces and brutality. Those things typically do not intertwine. So of all of the three of those turns that have happened in the past week, I think Rhea Ripley, it's going to be the best for her because she is better off as a heel instead of this, this baby face that she had been kind of running around and in a couple of tag teams. And she was kind of lost. In the in the in the WWE Women's Tag Team Division, I think this is going to give her an opportunity to step up and, and challenge one of the you know one of the the champions here in the next six months in WWE.
1: Gabe, I I think that the WWE ruined Rhea Ripley uh, only in this regard. I think that the WrestleMania match that Rhea Ripley had with Charlotte was I thought it stole the show. That was a couple of years ago. It was, yeah,
0: it was really good. Yeah.
1: So I think in an empty arena match. I mean, that was the best match I thought that was on the card. You had a baby face in Rhea Ripley, a badass, where yes, she's wearing black, and yes, she has that punk rocker attitude. It's kind of like in a Ruby Riots kind of way, um, where you saw her as a little different. She wasn't this baby, you know, squeaky baby face, but she was a badass baby face. And against Charlotte, I thought that they were onto something. But I've come to find out over the last few years, Brian, that the WWE is pretty much a heel factory. Like they can build heels, but they can't build baby faces. Edge, one of my favorites. Edge is one of my favorites of all time. And Edge was was soaring as a babyface. And just you just turn him heel just because you turn him heel. You didn't have to, but you turned him heel. I still love Edge, but I just think that the persona it, it, it could be interesting if we meet if we're gonna see like a brood 2.0, if he's gonna have his own faction, that's cool. But the same thing with Damian Priest. Damian Priest, as he was um, in WrestleMania, um, was a babyface, a guy that you can can really build around, right? And so now he's with Edge; he's a heel. Nikki Ash, this whole thing, same thing with Rhea Ripley, right? That we didn't see that coming. Like, okay, so definitely Rhea's going to turn now, and it was Nikki Ash, and she right. hasn't done anything. I mean, it's brutal, brutal. She was at a that
2: commitment you- ceremony this
1: Monday. That doesn't count as something. No, it does. Oh, okay. snooker got almost married there so that was not bad um but and the other thing too is like and i don't know how to read this guy street pop profits what is that now what's that you mean i mean you talk about getting over as baby faces the red cup everything else fans are into it they're cool they're different they're heels maybe Mm -hmm. just in this rivalry but definitely you turn them for them to not be smiley friendly baby uh, baby faces this is a heel factory this this company has a hard time being able to put together quality long-lasting baby faces well i
2: think the issue is we talked about a little last week is a lot of these the top baby faces they happen organically and then the wwe goes the opposite way so like the red cups the the fandangos of the world like you know things like that were like oh no no we we don't want to be a part of this we didn't think of it like like no run with it embrace it do something with it and that's why, like, you know, we try and stay away from the comparisons. But AEW gets credit for embracing the Sammy thing. Like, they saw the way it was going. Like, it was sort of teetering that line. And the crowd's like, no, we don't like this. We don't want a part of it. So they turned him. I agree with Gabe. I don't think it needed a double switch. I think we could have moved on from Scorpio. Lambert of the face really doesn't work. But at least they embraced it and put him as a heel. And they're going that route. I agree, though. Rhea as a heel is going to work. And especially if she ends up with Edge, which the rumors are like, if she ends up as part of that faction,
1: that could okay. be a lot of fun. Now yeah. I could do, I could, I could ride with that. I could yeah. ride with that. But I, but to answer the question, it, uh, but Gabe, you are right about Sammy Guevara, right? And so, but Sammy, try to be cool heel though. It's like for the fans that love me, thank you so much for the support for me and my girl. But for the rest of you guys, f off. And it's kind of like, well, which side are you on? You, your, your gimmick is so bad. That Dan Lambert is getting roundly cheered. At <laughs> roundly cheered. And yeah. I understand yeah. for the young for the young wrestling fan. I was telling Brian this earlier. It's like for the young wrestling fan, they don't get it because they think Dan Lambert is like go away heat. He's Bobby Heenan. He's just doing the the, the gimmick from eighties in the eighties and nineties. You're supposed to hate him, but now he's going after Sammy, and people are like, "Yes, Dan. Yes, absolutely. Yes, <laughs> thank Dan, you, thank Dan. you, somebody." Dan. Like, Which Dan Lambert.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, I was. <laughs> I was surprised that that Sammy got the belt back. I'm surprised that he became a three-time TNT champ. Because again, like you could easily turn him heel after he loses. And that's, you know, you can kind of build a story that way. And now we're getting for a company that has rarely done rematches, and when they have, I think, you know, when you saw the Daniel Bryanson rematch with Hangman Adam Page, we just saw a rematch with the two Adams as well. But now we're getting Sammy and Scorpio like. This yeah. Three. We don't need that. Three? Like it's, I don't, I don't think we needed that much. Like once you decided to put it on Scorpio, like you, yeah, you needed to have Sammy lose and move on. He could have turned heel and then Scorpio and everybody with Dan Lambert could have remained heel, even though I know they want to get Paige van Zant involved with Te Conti. Like that's, that's right. obviously the next step in the evolution. They have to do the, the mixed tag match as part of this, um, which I'm excited for. I, I think I'm, I'm excited to see what Paige van Zant can do in a professional wrestling ring. Um, yeah, especially it, the, the the most significant turn to me is still Rhea, especially especially if she ends up as part of the Brood 2.0 or whatever <laughs> we're gonna end up calling the the, the faction that um, that Edge ends up running.
2: Well, to your point, though, Gabe, with Paige, like we're not seeing her on TV that often though. Like they drop it in, like oh, we want the mixed tag match. Like my first reaction last night was like, but with who? Like are they calling Lambert a woman? Like what are they going at there? And then <laughs> I was like, oh, Paige, that's <laughs> right, <laughs> like.
1: It didn't <laughs> click for me right away because she's not there every week. Just, a, just one little point about that, just quickly, Scorpio, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page are doing their best work on the mic. Totally believe. Oh, Ethan Page had yeah. a
0: great one last night. Great one last night, and I mean, how better else to I guess to turn Scorpio than reunite him potentially? With Frankie yeah. Kazarian, like yeah. having those two have the interaction as the first ever AEW tag team champions, and you know SCU is as over of a group that that's been on the independent scene the last five years. You know when they when they got to originally got to AEW, um, you know that's that's a good way I think if if that's indeed the direction you're going, that makes a ton of sense to be able to reunite those guys. Let's go ahead and get you number three in the three. All
2: right, guys. Last night on Dynamite, we. All- also saw the face-to-face between Hangman and CM Punk. Is the time right for Hangman and Punk?
0: I think it is. I mean, I, I just don't know where else you go with CM Punk at this point. I, I like the build that they've had. He's had some good rivalries. Had a really good one with MJF, building up to this. And I honestly like whenever they decide to have this, whether it's they're able to, to kind of drag it out another you know month or so and, and have it be at Double or Nothing in Vegas. I'm curious to see if they do that. It seems that's probably the direction they're going since the only interaction they had last night was a brief stare down as they passed each other on the ramp. And I'm wondering, because it wasn't time for for Hangman to drop the belt, I think putting him over Adam Cole was the right thing. Is him losing to CM Punk the right thing? Is Punk losing the right thing? I'm not sure. I I honestly don't know who would benefit more from – being able to, to walk out of this feud as the champion of AEW. I'm
1: really curious to see where this goes. So, guys, let me ask you a question. What is what is best for CM What is the best CM Punk? Is the best CM Punk when he takes on Penta and Max Caster and Dax Harwood and uh, Lee Moriarty uh, or um, Re- or Darby Allin or Matt Seidel? Or is it uh, when he takes on MJF? or Sean Spears or Wardlow. What's the best CM Punk? It's the MJF
2: side because you get the mic involved also. You get the emotion involved there.
1: My point my point is, is that the best CM Punk is when there's heat, yeah. when there's an issue. I don't know how they're gonna create the story. The only story I see is CM Punk's redemption to get back to being the the best in the world and be the heavyweight champion. But does that mean that hangman turns heel? Does that mean I know he's gonna have aggression, but I don't know what the story is. See, I I appreciate CM Punk. And I'll I'll bring the curtain down for our show here. Because I interviewed um, QT Marshall, uh, when they came to Chicago, and he told me off the air, he goes, you know, uh, CM Punk chose me to wrestle uh, on Dynamite, and I was surprised. And I said, Why were you surprised? He goes, well, CM Punk says he just want to, he wants to work with someone good, and he says, I want to work with you. CM Punk is just picking and choosing certain guys that's in the back, veterans or young guys. And he says, Lee Moriarty, let's go. You know, Max Castor, because he feels like he's making those guys. And QT Marshall, it was just kind of like, you know, and here's a veteran that's been around. I want to work with you because I know that you're good. But I but those matches are good. The match against Dustin was fine. It told a great story. The crowd was into it in Pittsburgh. But the best match uh, for CM Punk is when there's something on the line. Not just the championship, but when there's an issue. And I don't know what the issue is going to be when he faces Hangman for the AEW championship. I don't know.
0: Because, I mean, and you didn't even mention Eddie Kingston in there. Like, the the promos that they had, like, then you felt that was real. The emotion was real when they finally faced off in in the ring as well. When when you had the the mic showdowns between Eddie and, and Punk.
2: Yeah, I agree with that part. I think, yeah, Punk's gimmick since the MJF has been, let's just have a great wrestling match every week. And, you know, even last night we were going into it, I was like, oh, yeah, Punk and Dustin, like, this could be fun. Like, yeah, it was a fine match. Didn't quite live up to it, but it was something different. I agree there'll be a storyline here. I think Punk sort of needs to go over here. Like, this Hangman title reign, as great as the payoff of him winning the title was, it's been a letdown since then. And, like, I was looking at today, like, he's defended the title six times so far, twice against Mm -hmm. Brian Archer, Dante Martin, and then two against Cole. There really hasn't been anything that memorable out of his title run. Everything leading up to it was great. Everything, you know, when he's going to get the shot, ultimately getting the shot, ultimately getting the win. But there really hasn't been anything since then. I think Punk will elevate him during this feud, whatever the angle is, because that's what Punk does. But I think it might just be time to put it on Punk and just move the title around, and then ultimately get the title back to the main event picture because it hasn't been top of the card with Hangman as the champ.
0: What you don't think the Buckshot Lariat over Dan Lambert that wasn't a memorable event for you?
1: <laughs> eh, not quite. <laughs> it didn't do it. It didn't do it for you.
0: Okay, well, I th- I, you know what?
1: I think that he's gotten better. I think he's gotten sure. better. I think I think the matches against Brian Danielson put him in a different stratosphere. I'm not saying that. Roman Reigns is the greatest world champion that we have in wrestling today. Uh, I understand that anyone else is going to take a back seat, but I think that he's actually done fine as a heavyweight champion. You know, Lance Archer, you know, crazy Texas Death Match. There, it's it's it has not been bad. I was skeptical myself when it started, but I think that I think he's been a fine champion because every time he's in one of these matches, we saw Adam Cole at Battle uh, on uh, Rampage. That matchup, right. that was pretty good. You know, yeah. pre- pretty damn good matchup. Like, So I think that he's been fine. It's just one of those situations, guys, in which the championship is making Adam Cole, uh, Adam Page. That's what it is. The championship's is making Hangman Page. So I, I don't know when this match will take place. Is this going to be the main event at the New Japan AEW show in June? Will Will this be uh, Labor Day? How, how long will this go until we actually see the match?
0: Uh, again, I think we got to see it at Double or Nothing. It'll be the main event yeah. at Double or Nothing because that's what AEW does. Their their main event is always going to be their world championship. They want it to always feel important. They don't want to put it in the middle of the card, so it's going to be to me. It'll be the main event in Vegas, and that's that's what they're building towards. And that to me is what makes the most sense. And
2: and that's I, only a month away, so like it's not yeah. that crazy of a build. Like I think a month yeah. build could work for something that's you know really being just pulled out of like. Hey, he's number 1 contender, which I don't know if he is, but they can just pull from that.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, he oh. he he beat what, the number 4 guy, you know, yeah. 2 weeks ago and won again this week against the natural, so it's it's easy to just artificially shoot him up to <laughs> that number 1 contender spot because he's It's not him scientific, on. it's not the BCS here. Let I me mean, I, I don't know, you'd have to ask Tony <laughs> Khan. I guess okay. if if you want to if that's one of the questions you want to ask Tony Khan anytime we happen to talk to him, then uh as <laughs> you can ask them what the what the computers say about uh, their ranking system, but it's it it, it is it, it is kind of shame because as I said, th- that's going to be the main event of their pay per view, like the AEW yeah. championship is going to be. But like you said, Brian, it doesn't feel like the AEW championship has been in the main events of AEW for a while. I don't know right. what is. I mean, BCC obviously has been really big. Um, you know, all, all I mean, the ROH stuff Punk was. Yeah. I mean, all the ROH stuff has kind of been front and center as of late, you know, with Singh making his debut with Samoa Joe a couple of weeks ago in the main event um, of of Dynamite. So I'm not quite sure what the main event of AEW is right now. They've got a lot of good stuff going on, but I know for a fact it's not the AEW World Championship.
1: You know, Hangman Page doesn't have to be out there every other week, though. I mean, yeah. I, I mean you got to keep the champion special. How, how many title matches are we seeing for Roman Reigns on SmackDown? I, I, I think that you keep the champion uh, fresh. That's not old school. I just think that's just good booking. Uh, you, you keep Paige out of there to kind of um, save himself in that situation, right? I mean, already, it's like Brian's not really 100% sure about Paige's champion. Well, the best thing he has to do is have him do promos and hide him. <laughs> like, he, he gets his opportunities. But, but, but it's not the WWE formula of just rolling guys out every week and put him in the ring and tag matches and just because now you i think that aw is really keeping paige special and, yeah, I, and I, have no problem I don't i don't need to see that i don't need
2: to see the random tag matches or the random non-titles but like i want stories i want something like him and brian was just it was okay like it was great matches and that's what hangman does but like i want more of that like even part two of him and cole like while we saw him take that next step it still felt a little unnecessary like I want to see something else or someone chasing him. Like I'd love, I know we're not there yet, but like Wardlow chasing him and him ultimately keeping the title. Like that could be fun. And Wardlow, like as over as he is right now, and maybe hangman sort of pushes heel wise. Like that could be a fun angle for the world title.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm, it'll be interesting to see where AEW goes with their world championship sing- scene. So one of the things we're going to do now here on GKW is go throughout the week. We love professional wrestling, so we want to talk about the best professional wrestling matches that we saw of the past week. Whether it was on a special event, like the Windy City Riot from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Whether it was on SmackDown or Dynamite or Rampage or Raw. We want to talk about the best matches we saw. So, Jay hood what was the best match? that you saw since we last spoke
1: well my friends i would normally give you something from the actual week starting with sunday or something raw something from aw dynamite something from nxt 2.0 uh something like that but i'm not going to do that um <laughs> the uh the match of the week and i'm just going to cheat a little bit but it's got to be suzuki and ishii from uh, new japan riot Um, guys, I never thought I'd see that in person and, and I don't, you know, I suspend my, my belief in knowing like how old Suzuki really is. Um, I know that he, I mean, I know he's an older wrestler. Ishii's up there as well, but guys, it was the best match that was on that card. And, and, and it's not just because I never saw it in person. It was just physical and you could feel it in there too. Right. And they didn't have to do, they didn't have to fly through the ropes. They weren't doing a whole bunch of stuff. It was just two guys are beating the hell out of each other and I, and i love that and the crowd was into it too uh you know a million chops and a lot of forearm smashes and all that but it was the physicality that you used to get you know you're used to seeing with new japan pro wrestling so to me that was my match of the week uh and maybe a close second is um brock anderson lee moriarty and dante martin being buried by blackpool <laughs> <laughs> you, you, wait a minute i thought dante martin was like the next guy they get yeah buried, like a bunch of jobbers what the f was that
2: and i thought his brother was back like how did he end up in that trio like how did that work I, out
1: I, I, is he hurt again like what like, I, yeah, I mean i mean you're, these are guys that you've been pushing like Dante Martin, lee <laughs> I mean, moriarty I say, is, hey. I thought well, you were been- watching
0: Dark and Dark Elevation. Like I thought you were taking that. I was taking NXT 2.0. I've been brainwashed, and like I thought you were taking those uh, the YouTube shows. I guess I guess no.
2: that we had the assignments wrong.
1: That was that's my match of the week, guys. I love that match.
2: I'm gonna go off the beaten path. Uh, you know, go down the YouTube rabbit hole or wherever else you can find uh-huh. it. Pro Wrestling Revolver. We've talked about him on this show. Swerve's house. Swerve versus Athena. Main evented this past weekend. Athena, formerly known as Ember Moon. That was a fun one. Those two just going toe to toe, Swerve got in the win. Pro Wrestling Revolvers where I first saw Swerve. It was some Mania weekend and Swerve just gets thrown in a ladder match and does Swerve things. He can work with a broomstick, but him and Athena was a lot of fun together.
1: Okay, all right, all right. Now, Uh-oh. this is totally something totally different that you that we have not talked about as a show. So, Rowitz is into intergender wrestling. Mm-hmm. I, I don't do know it. no
0: I, mm, i'm i'm out on it i i, I just I can't don't like do that it. yeah no.
1: okay. i can't no. do it no no i mean like listen if you if you can tell us about it but that's hard to watch for me because and listen it's not like we haven't seen like good inter matches like, yeah we, we can roll the clock all the way back to jeff Jarrett in china i mean i mean I'm, you know, like <laughs> i mean that matchup took that's place former
0: Intercontinental champion that's right to
1: you over And the match got over. Right. And so I, I get that. But that one's because swerves so good. And Athena t- is just like, it's hard for me to see that, man. But what I, if it's I don't like, know. I'm with Gabe on that. It's
2: not yeah, the physical stuff. Like, it's not the Candice LeRae getting bloody. Like, it's the, you know, more the swerve style. Like, they're doing flips. They're flying all over the place. That doesn't make it a little better. Sure, but I'm still uncomfortable watching it. Like, okay. I guess it makes yeah. it a
0: little better. i like, so, like, my uncomfortability goes from 10 to a nine. Like, it's okay. I'm, I'm all just right. not going to be comfortable <laughs> sitting there watching it. All right, Look like, it's again. just not for me. He's squirming
1: in the chair. <laughs> yeah, He's I like, am. <laughs> no, I'm with you 100%. <laughs> Listen, Brian, you could send us, send us clips okay. of your, your favorite intergender matches. Okay, and we will try as a bit, and we will try. But that's and I'm not hard, seeking man. it out, but it's
2: pro wrestling, you suspend disbelief.
1: Uh, that's a tough one. Like, that's- and these, in- in- these indies that I go to sometimes in the Midwest, I don't see that match coming. All of a sudden, it's like, wait, that's a man to get to. I'm like, right. okay, let me go to the merch table. <laughs> I got to go. Merch. I mean, I can suspend
0: tough. disbelief for a 63-year-old Sting to no-sell a right. chair shot and then fly. <laughs> like, I can yes. do that. I can do that all day. <laughs> internet uh, ember moon versus swerve all right uh, wow. that's a not everyone's cup name. of tea but
1: please send them send them <laughs> all right we'll do <laughs> i'll
0: see if i can get somebody to like videotape me being very uncomfortable and i'll <laughs> yeah. share the videos yeah um i am with j hood it's, it's suzuki versus ishii i was really hoping because i am a john mox mark um I was really hoping it'd be Mox versus Osprey, And honestly, it would be Mox versus Osprey. But endings matter in these matches. If it's not a clean ending, if it's a confusing ending, if people don't know what's going on, if it's a not, not a great ending. Like, for example, Monday Night Raw, Cody Rhodes, and Kevin Owens had a pretty good match that ultimately Kevin Owens decides to walk out on because he doesn't need it storyline with whatever's going on with Seth Rollins. That match doesn't have an ending. It just doesn't have that satisfactory finish so there were a couple of matches that I wanted to put on here and I thought would be, but ultimately you're 100% right. Watching back that, watching back that pay-per-view uh, from Saturday night, the Windy City Riot. Uh, and, and a lot, yeah, a lot of these, if, if you're interested in your wrestling fan, like Fight TV has a lot of these kind of off the beaten path. Uh, you know, so if you're willing to bucks. You know, skip the latest Marvel movie. Watch this instead. Like, you can do that. And I, I really enjoyed the Windy City Riot. I thought it was a great – it was a fun show to watch. And Suzuki versus Ishii was just a ton of fun that had a satisfi-
2: satisfying finish. As we head into next week, is the betting favor right now the FTR Owen Memorial uh, qualifier on Wednesday night?
0: Yes. Like, it has to be. right like those two going head to head for the as they say the only time like that's that's got that's gotta be a lot of fun that's
2: when i saw the graphic i thought they were just saying that both were in the tournament and i was like oh they're facing each other like that's gonna be fun
1: um so dax goes over right
2: i guess i i don't know if you have to go either way i'm just wondering double pin they
0: probably oh get God. disqualified.
1: <laughs> I like that double pin. <laughs> I like them both, man. I, it's yeah. interesting that they're going. It, it's, you know what's happening, guys, is that whether it's CM Punk or this FTR, they are all trying to impress Bret Hart. And I yeah. think that we're <laughs> going to see Bret here at the end of this Owen Hart uh, Cup tournament. because well, they, he, You see it on social all the time.
0: Isn't Bret? Bret is managing them in an indie yes. show. He's managing FTR in an indie show coming up here
2: he it's uh i don't know where it is that arn is uh managing brock and pillman jr is who they're facing
0: yeah so that i mean it again the signs are out there and FTR has made the world know how <laughs> fond they are of uh, of brett hart so that's you know F- that's ftr face turn and i know we just put up the the yeah. you know the, the comment here and, and jake seems to be with me and enjoying this ftr face turn I would just ignore their alignment with M- with MJF at this point. Like, MJF's kind of doing his thing. It-, it seems pretty clear that they're separated. Um, that, they you know, did MJF that sort of was...
2: backstage thing. Like, it didn't need to be a huge blow-off. Remember they did no. that whole thing where they're like, oh, we're going to do our own thing. Like, I think that was enough.
0: Yeah. Once they, f- once they fired Tully, they did that backstage thing. It's very clear that MJF and Sean Spears are the only ones who are aligned from the pinnacle anymore. <laughs> so, I-, I don't think that you need to address it any more than you already have if you're AEW.
1: That was such a quick firing, man, to Tully. It was like a 30 second like segment. It's like <laughs> you're fired. All right, next segment. And that was it. That was it for Tully. That was really quick, man. I couldn't believe that. But I, I just guys, I I'm just I think that we're in a great spot as wrestling fans, especially with WWE backlash is coming around pretty soon here. And then just AEW and their maneuvering. But look, this is for someone that's a diehard fan, clearly, because New Japan talent's coming out. Here comes Jay White. And if I'm in Pittsburgh and I'm like, well, who's this guy? I mean, it's just like they're not doing a lot of explanation. They're just saying, hey, you should know this talent. You should be. So hopefully it works out for them. I just know the AEW is doing a lot of maneuvering uh, and uh, involving themselves with New Japan's cool ring of honor as well. The Battle of Belts wasn't, is, is what we thought it wasn't as good as we it was it just wasn't good. Yeah. It just what it wasn't. And I understand that it, like, it's like what we do. They're just trying to put out content. TNT wants content. It's like, okay, here's a Battle of Belts. You need to fill an hour. Here we go. But it's like, you just remember, and I'll say this a lot, I'm sure on the show, you can have matches, you can have dream matches, but if you don't have story, it doesn't mean anything. And WWE does a really good job of story, whether you like that or not. Uh, But they do a good job of trying to at least tell you a story and then get to it. But with AEW and New Japan and Ring of Honor, it's just a lot of talent. It's great. But at some point, you've got to hone in on some stories for us to be able to really grasp and really enjoy.
0: Which is, I mean, to kind of bring it all together, which is, I think they haven't told compelling stories with Hangman Adam Page. Well, some of the messages have certainly been enjoyable. The stories haven't necessarily been the best. And maybe that's why it's kind of faded to the background because it's it's not the biggest story that's going on in all of AEW. Well, we're gonna be looking forward to it. You know, we're gonna be watching on Friday night, we're gonna be watching on Monday, we're gonna be watching on Wednesday, and we're gonna talk it all, talk about it all again, right here next week on GKW.